This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 5th of May 2021. Big day for me. Oh yes, Norman, what's happening today? Well, I'm in Melbourne and Michael Rowland from News Breakfast and I are going off to the convention centre to have a very public immunisation with the Astra vaccine. Oh, that is exciting. I am pretty jealous. (laughs) Yep, so I've got my T-shirt on. I thought, I've got to be dressing carefully for this. I don't have to take a shirt off in front of the cameras. No, no one wants that. (laughs) It would be ugly. (laughs) Oh, well, congratulations. That is a momentous day. And while we're talking about people getting vaccinated, about a week ago, the Globe passed a pretty significant milestone, one billion vaccinations globally. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great milestone. And as I think a piece in Nature said, Who would have thought 16 months after an entirely new organism emerged as a pandemic organism that you would have a vaccine available or vaccines available to immunise a billion people around the world. I mean, it's extraordinary. It's really major, but it's interesting the disparities that, well, it's it's really not surprising, but there are really huge disparities between some countries that have had millions and millions of vaccines and some that have a lot fewer. Three quarters of all of the doses have been given in just 10 nations. And when you look at those 10 nations, um, for some of them, particularly the United States, the disadvantaged populations within those nations have been under-immunised whereas people who've got resources are well immunised. I mean, even though the vaccine's free. So the issue of getting to disadvantaged populations is within countries as well as globally. And it's interesting that that 1 billion doses gets you 7.3%, is I think the figure of the world's population with a single dose. So there's a long way to go, You know, 10 billion, maybe more doses before you get to even 70% coverage. Yeah, and this nature piece is sort of saying that scientists say that more than 75% of the world's population needs to be vaccinated to bring the pandemic under control. So I guess we're a tenth of the way there? Yeah. I mean, if they use the Johnson vaccine, which is a single dose, you could get there much faster because you're not having to double vaccinate everybody. So it's a big and complex problem. We don't have time today to go into global health inequities, but how does Australia fit into this worldwide picture? Well, we are well endowed with vaccines this year. We are slow, there's no question. The ABC's vaccine site, the vaccine data site that the ABC puts together with their, our fantastic data journalists, says at the rate we're going, we will be fully immunised by September 2023. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully we can speed up before then. But we're about 10% of the way through our eligible population, aren't we? Yeah, and we could really, you know, if we can get up to a couple of hundred thousand doses a day, which is pretty high performance, we could be, you know, everybody could have their first vaccine dose by July, August. So we could, not 2023, but 2021. So we could really escalate that and get it out there. But that requires all shoulders to the wheel and people being willing to be vaccinated themselves. Well, we put the call out yesterday to people who are now over 50, um, eligible to be vaccinated, to see what they were saying about how easy it was to get a vaccine or how they were feeling about it. And we got so many responses. Thank you, as always, listeners, for responding when we put out the call. Um, People were wanting to know whether you were booked in for your shot, Norman, and we know that you are now. But Richard's also saying, 
saying are yesterday Richard got the AstraZeneca vaccine here in Melbourne, went to the exhibition buildings where there's a vaccination hub, process was easy, no booking required, just walked in, short waiting time, the whole process probably took an hour and Richard's stoked to have got it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I remember there was some, and two days ago, there was uh, some filming by ABC News at the exhibition buildings and it was almost brought tears to your eyes, a woman saying, she was so excited to have it. Um, she wanted to travel again, see her children, I think, overseas. I mean, it's just fantastic. So Victoria is the state that's had the most vaccines rolled out so far. It's a pretty narrow margin, but I wonder if people there are particularly keen to get it because they lived through the toughest lockdown last year. Um, I think that's part of it, that people are motivated. They don't want to go to another lockdown. They've seen what it looks like. And the other thing is that you know, Victoria probably has been faster than other states to get their, their high-throughput centres going. So, you know, I think better organised. But as you say, it's by a small margin. The other states are pretty well organised. Uh, another person in Tasmania is Michelle. She says she's in Hobart, over 50. Her GP is still only receiving 50 doses a week for their four clinics, wanting to get a booking, uh, but the first available appointment was the 18th of May. And one more from Libby, who's in WA. She found it super easy to book in for a vaccination. Yesterday used the eligibility checker on the health department website, gave her a choice of vaccination centres near her, a short wait on the line for a booking, and now she's off to be vaccinated. So like you say, patchy, which means in some places it's actually working pretty well. Yeah, I think um, you know this combination of states and general practices is going to work out fine. Um, and thankfully the states have stepped up to the mark. And if you look through our mailbag so to speak, um, including Tasmania, people seem to be appreciating the GP respiratory clinics. They seem to be having plenty of doses and that's those are much easier places to get into, including the high throughput centres in each state. So that's great. A, new, a nice partnership between general practice and the states seems to be starting to take off. Yeah, it does seem like in some places there's a bit of legwork involved, but if you call around, you can find a spot. So staying on vaccines, but a question from Adam about Valneva, which we spoke about yesterday, the French vaccine that we said that there were some reports that the Australian government was trying to acquire. Uh, Adam says, although he's heard that it has lower efficacy overall, inactivated virus vaccines might be more effective against a range of possible variants because they contain the whole virus rather than just a spike protein. Does that sound plausible to you, Norman? Look, it, it might be true, although I think Valneva is talking about a variant vaccine itself. Um, and that it's relatively easy to pivot towards an inactivated version of the, of the variant. I'm not sure that the whole virus is what you want because it's the spike protein that's the key part of the virus that docks with the cell. So there's a, real, there's a really big question about whether the whole virus gets you anywhere with, the, with this uh, vaccine or not. And so theoretically, it could be possible. Although I think, as we said yesterday on the show, Pfizer is arguing that they're... T-cell response, that's the memory cells, seems to be profound enough and broad enough that it takes into account the, at least the variants that we're going to be dealing with this year. And another question from Victoria who's asking, why is the rollout of the COVID vaccines constantly referred to as complex when the flu vaccine is rolled out every year to millions of Australians with apparent ease? What's the difference here? Look, that's a very good question. And a lot of GPs have said, why do you have to have this separate process when you've got a process already for delivering us vaccines through the existing channels? I think it's partly that there's different va vaccines with different dosages. So the dosage regimes, I should say, so that you get three weeks apart with Pfizer, it's 12 weeks apart. Pfizer requires a different cold chain, um, a much deeper cold chain, and it's a more delicate vaccine requiring training. I mean, there are a few reasons, but I think 
to be honest, it has been made more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, even the flu vaccine rollout doesn't rely solely on GP clinics. I've usually got it through my workplace. There's other ways of getting it beyond just your GP. Pharmacy? Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's right. We could have loosened up a lot, I suspect. I think we've just been a bit too um, tight about it. And before we go, Norman, there's a new piece of research that's come out that's quite interesting about uh, the vaccine in organ transplant recipients. Yes. And the look, the bottom line of this study, it's a small study looking at the immune response to the Pfizer mRNA vaccine. And essentially, and it's kind of what you would expect because people who've had a transplant are on immune suppression and they don't get a great they get they get a they get an antibody response but it's not fantastic it's it's what you would expect really the problem here is that it does mean that people with organ transplants could get infected um, it may not be big enough to protect yet to be shown and people who've had an organ transplant really don't want to get the infection so maybe they need more boosters maybe you need to mix doses there may need to be different strategies. But there's also a worry here because there are a lot of people in the community who've had a transplant. And if they get infected and there's having had the vaccine, there is the potential for mutants to survive, which are vaccine resistant. And that's how vaccine resistant mutants can be produced. So it, it's a worrying population for them themselves because they're immunosuppressed and you want them to be as maximally protected as they can be but also worrying for the general community. So we just there needs to be more attention paid to this group of people. And it really plays into what we were saying yesterday about other and a different immunocompromised case study and just the need for good vaccine coverage globally so that there just isn't as much virus circulating at all. That's a really superb point. It's the same with little babies who are not yet vaccinated. We all get vaccinated to protect the little babies so there's not much measles, mumps, chickenpox, whooping cough around. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. Keep sending your questions and comments in by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast and mentioning Coronacast in your comments so we can find it. And we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>